How's everybody doing tonight? Woo! All right. Everybody's good. Huh? You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So before I get started, I'm going to do what we call a little housekeeping. Um, I've been watching back some of the, some of the videos, and I've noticed um, in every video, the teacher has to stop and say, please pay attention. Please don't talk. Please don't talk. Please pay attention. I want to do it now so that I don't have to stop my lesson to do it. Please. All right? So, um, real quick, go over a little bit of what, what you guys went over last week. Uh, Pastor Brad brought, brought to your attention that this is the holiday season. This is the Christmas season. And I have a question before we dig into the lesson. What makes you excited about Christmas? I'm going to go first before you all start yelling. I'm going to go first. As you all know, I have family who live out of state, uh, my wife's family, and they're a lot of fun, and there's a lot of really good food, and, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of excitement. Now, when I think about Christmas, that's one of the things that just gets me really excited. So, what is it for you guys? Is it gifts? Is it family? Food? Go ahead, Casey. It's food. Okay. Andre? Yes, I'm looking at you. Taco Bell Christmas party. Okay. Anybody else? Hunting. Hunting, okay. Drew. Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Elf. Yes, Buddy the Elf. You know, I'm not going to get to go see that because it's all sold out, and it, that makes me very sad. And if anyone has video, I'll pay good money for it if you've been to see it. He said hunting, yes. Yeah, that's when you hunt. All right, so, so we've, named, we've named off several things that, that get us excited at the Christmas season, right? We've named off all these things, and there's nothing bad about these things. Like Brad, like Brad said last, uh, last week, there's nothing bad about those things. And, and, and those things are good gifts from God, and those things are fun, and, and, and we should be excited about it. I get to see my grandkids, and that's really exciting. You know, y'all know how much I love my grandkids. That's really exciting. So, um, so there's nothing wrong with the things that we're talking about here. We, sh we should be excited about them. But more than once, last week I heard Brad say, don't miss what the Christmas season is about. Don't miss what it truly is about. Again, these things are good things. These things are fun things. These things are great. They're gifts from God. Let's don't miss what we're celebrating, okay? Um, so those things, again, aren't why we celebrate. Christ is why we celebrate. Um, those things are not the source of hope. For the believer, um, we celebrate because our Savior Jesus Christ was born. Now, we again, we went over it last week, probably not on December the 25th, probably, you know, another time, but this is when we celebrate it. Nonetheless, this is when we celebrate it. Um, but, uh, oh, sorry, I lost my place. Okay, so this week we're going to continue with part two of our three part series on the gifts of the Magi or wise men. Brad last week had gold, this week I have frankincense, okay? Um, and just like Brad, <laughs> frankincense isn't one of those things that you hear a lot about. Gold, you actually know what gold is, right? If I say the word gold, we say gold jewelry or, you know, the color gold or a gold crown or gold teeth or, or, or whatever the case may be. So you got a little familiarity with gold, but frankincense, really, all I knew about frankincense until I became a Christian was it was one of the things that these guys brought to Jesus when he was born, okay, as we found out last week that wasn't really the case either but um, frankincense 
you may look at that word and go, well, I know that it was a gift, but what is it? You may even look at the word and go, I know what incense is, but who's Frank? That's a terrible, terrible dad joke, okay? Terrible dad joke. I, I actually got a few laughs from the dads in the crowd. You know it's a really bad dad joke when nobody laughs, right? And that's the goal. That's the goal with a dad joke. So anyway, that's just a little something there. Um, so I'm going to get in to help you what, with what frankincense is, what it means, why, it, you know, why we care that it was one of the gifts. Um, first, I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to give you a few questions from last week. So let's pray. Dear God, uh, just once again we come to you thanking you for this day, thanking you for this time together. Um, I thank you for these students and for these leaders that we have here tonight, Lord. Um, I just pray that as we study your word, as we go, th- go through these things and we think about these things, Father, that, that you would be glorified. Pray, Lord, that um, as we think through these things, that we would be changed. Um, I pray that no one who walked through that door tonight leaves the same way that they were when they came in. Father, that's the ultimate goal, that they know you more, that they love you more, and that we, that we all um, learn from this, from this lesson. So Lord, just be with us as we, as we study, and uh, we pray all this in your son Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, a few questions from last week. See if y'all were listening. True or false? All four Gospels tell the story of Jesus' birth. False. So that, that leads me to believe you're not going to be able to answer the second part of that question, which was which to do and which to don't. Matthew and Luke do, so who don't? Mark and John. Very good. In Mark and John, okay, now that we know that Mark and John don't start at the birth, where do Mark and John pick up in the life of Jesus? When he, becomes, when he started his ministry, when he, was, when he was an adult. Okay, all right, very good. Last question of review, what does gold symbolize? Wealth, Wealth power, 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 king. Who said kingship? That's what I was looking kingship. for. Good job, kingship. All right, so I'm going to read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through, 12, 1 through 11, and uh, then, we'll, then we'll get into our discussion. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, that's where we're going to be if you have your Bibles. Go ahead and get them out, and uh, we'll start there. Matthew 2, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He told them, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, of gold, gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So, last week, Brad discussed this with you guys a little bit. Um, I want to review it. I want to comment on it just a little bit before, um, before I just take off into frankincense. Here we see Jesus being born in Bethlehem. We see a star that appeared to the wise men. And I think I find it interesting um, that the star appeared to the wise men and the wise men had to tell Herod about it. it. Pastor Brad talked last week about it being a supernatural star. And you have to ask the question, could it be that it was only revealed to the wise men and not to Herod until he was made known? Now, there may be some commentary. There may be some word on that. I don't know. I couldn't find anything. But... I do find it interesting that they saw the star and they had to tell him about it. Just a little nugget I picked up. Um, and as Brad said last week, it was a supernatural star, not just a bright star like we might see outside um, ourselves. This was something different. We also see Herod, he sends the wise men out. He tells them to report back to him so he can go worship Jesus. Another review question, were his intentions truly to go worship Jesus? No, no his intentions were not to worship Jesus. So... Um, so, so we see the wise men, they go, um, more, it, you see the nativity scenes with the wise men standing there and Jesus in the manger. As we see in this scripture, he was in a house, he was no longer in the manger. I don't know how long it may have taken them. Pastor Brad did the legwork last week to figure out about how far it was. Um, he said between 18 and 1,000 miles. I can tell you, as I spoke of earlier, I go to Pennsylvania multiple times a year, and that trip is about 12 or 14 hours by car, and that's without stopping or anything like that for rest. That's a long drive in a car, um, and, they, and they walked it to, to bring these gifts to Jesus. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's something to think about. Um, and then we see at the end in verse 12, the, the wise men are told in a dream not to go back, and they go, they go on their way um, to their own country. All right, so <clears throat> as I started studying this, about frankincense, um, I, found a, I found a quote by John Piper, and it, it talks about the Magi not purchasing, it, not purchasing anything with their gifts, but praising God, or praising Christ. The gifts are intensifiers of desire for Christ himself in much the same way that fasting is. When you give a gift to Christ like this, it's a way of saying the joy that I pursue is not the hope of getting rich with things from you. I have not come to you for your things, but for yourself. And the desire I now intensify and demonstrate by giving up things in hope of enjoying you more, not things. By giving to you what you do not need and what I might enjoy, I am saying more earnestly and more authentically, you are my treasure, not these things. So these things that they brought, gold we know is expensive. You're going to learn this week and next week. The other two gifts were expensive gifts as well. They're very valuable things. And, and so these things, more than likely, these things the wise men or the magi could have gained from. Okay, They could have, they could have become, maybe not rich, but they could have made money off of these things, basically. And that wasn't their intention in this. They, they had these very expensive gifts, and their intention was praise and worship. Um, so as I said, my, my assignment tonight is frankincense. And the, di the dictionary definition for frankincense is an aromatic gum resin obtained from an African tree and burned as incense. So this is a very expensive 
substance that was collected in remote parts of Arabia, North America, and India, and it had to be transported long distance. So remember, there was no Amazon, there was no UPS, I'm probably not going to say FedEx, they're getting a bad rap right now, they're not looking too good, but, um, but anyway, uh, you didn't have that. Everything, just like the wise men going to, to see Jesus, they had to walk or ride an animal of some sort. There had to be, more than likely, there were a lot of stops. There was a lot of resting that had to be done. Um, but on to, on to uh, sticking with frankincense, gathering this resin was also a time-consuming process. Over a period of three to four months, sap would leak from trees and harden into white tears. The harvester would return and scrape the crystals off and collect the less pure resin that had dripped down the trunk onto a palm leaf placed on the ground. The hardened gum might be distilled to extract its aromatic oil for perfume or crushed and burned as incense. Very labor-intensive and very time-consuming, which made it very valuable. Today, frankincense actually is still around today, it's a popular essential oil, sometimes called olibanum. Who knew, right? It is believed, get ready for this, it is believed to erase stress, improve heart rate, improve breathing and blood pressure, boost immune function, relieve pain, treat dry skin, reverse the signs of aging, fight cancer, as well as many other health benefits. I was waiting to see if it was maybe the real cure for COVID. You know, it does a lot. It's very dynamic, right? So... Who knows? So, <laughs> so as we talked about, gold symbolizes the, king, the kingship of Christ. And as such, frankincense is a symbol of the deity of Christ. Um, who knows what deity means? It means like higher, just higher power. Higher power? Huh? His godship, his, like, not, his likeness to God, um, his being God. Um, so when we speak of Jesus Christ, we're speaking of God come in the flesh, right? We've, we've heard that term, and that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. We're going to talk about deity. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ. Is he just a man, or is he God in the flesh? And we hear that. We hear these God in the flesh. Do we, do we know where that comes from? Okay, and that's kind of where we're going to go with this. Um, so, find my place here. Okay, so... Talking about God's deity, and, and how does frankincense point to God's deity, or Christ's deity? Glad you asked. Um, because of how hard it was to, to obtain, it was very expensive, like I said. And I'm going to give you just a terrible analogy, but hopefully, and I meant, to, I meant to grab one. So think about a candle. And if I come in here and I tell you guys, I've got this candle, and I got on an airplane, and I went to Africa, somewhere, and I had to go scrape this stuff. Same, same process that I just gave you about the frankincense, right? And I brought this candle in here, and I'm telling you guys all about it, and I say, this candle, trip and all, man, this thing cost me like 2,500 bucks for this one candle, right? That's insane. First off, you'd have me committed. I would hope. I'd hope you care about me enough to do that. Um, but second off, I would probably not want to light that candle in here I would probably not want to light it just anywhere, okay? I probably wouldn't want to just use it haphazardly. Like, it would have to be a really special occasion for me to light this candle, okay? So, on to frankincense, this was very, again, very expensive, very valuable. Um, 
incense, aroma type stuff, um, resin. Uh, and they didn't use it haphazardly either. Typically, it was used in ceremonies where they were worshiping a god. Okay? So that's where we get that this symbolizes deity. All right? This, that's where we get that, that it, it puts God um, as the God-man. Uh, so, let's see. So they only use it in special occasions. And the Magi, I don't know, Josh may be able to clarify this a little bit. Not sure that they knew the full um, depth of what they were doing and giving these gifts. They knew that they were expensive and they knew that they were special, but not sure that they had a full understanding of this. There were some Old Testament... Uh, prophecies of kings getting very expensive gifts brought to them, um, and 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 uh, ah, psalm, and there was one other place, and I didn't put it in my notes. So, um, but anyway, this was sort of this. Some of this was a fulfillment of some Old Testament stuff that that that, that had happened as well. Um, so, bringing fan, the frankincense by the Magi is a picture of Christ's deity, his uh, his being God as well as man. So, here's a question. Is it necessary for us to believe that Jesus was also God in order to be a Christian? There's, there's a quote that I found by Greg Kokel, who's, who's a, an author. I think he's a pastor as well. Um, he's pretty well known. He's, he's a very solid guy. And I like how he asks it. He says, if you believe in Christ but reject his unique deity, you might have a very nice religion, but can you call it Christianity? Excuse me. To answer this, it doesn't seem like a person could disagree with Christ being divine and call themselves a Christian. To understand this better, we need to know what being a Christian is. What does it mean to be a Christian? A follower of Christ, right? Okay. So if you follow Christ, what should you want to do? You should want to learn more about Christ, right? You should want to know everything you could possibly know about Christ, okay? And of all the things that you can know, look, I'm an Alabama fan, okay? And huh, who said boo? Nerd, yeah. So I'm a Bama fan, and, and I know a lot about their sports teams. I know players. I know some stats. I know some history, all these things, and I have a desire to learn more and more, and I, and I never lose that desire. As Christians, we need to be that way about Christ, okay? We need to want to learn more and know more, okay? So we need to want to learn more about this deity, learn more about Christ being God in the flesh. Um, so so that's, that's one of the things, one of the most important things that we can know about Christ is his deity, is the fact that he is God, and we need to believe that. Now, it may be something that's hard to wrap your mind around because I'm telling you that you have God and you have Jesus, but they're the same. Jesus is God, right? I'm telling you that, and that's kind of confusing. That can be confusing. You guys have been talking about election, okay? And some of the things that you've heard might have been confusing. You may have questions. You may, you may be a little, a little confused about it, okay? And that's okay, but what we have to ask ourselves is we have what from God? We have a word that's been left here for us, right? This is our word from God. Is it in here? If it's in here, we have to deal with it, okay? You have people, especially with election, that don't want to deal with it. Well, there's just, I, don't, I can't see how a loving God would do that, blah, 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 whatever it may be. 
And we're not dealing with anything quite as controversial, though some people do not believe this doctrine. But we have to go, is it in Scripture? And if it is, then we have to deal with it. So, does Scripture tell us that Jesus is God? Does it? Okay. Anybody know where? Anybody that's under 18? Under 19? Just to be safe. <laughs> I just missed it. Okay. We're going we're gonna to go to a few places that I found in my studies. The first one is kind of the hallmark verse for this. And it's John 1, verse 1, verses 1 through 1 and 2. We can, somebody turn to John 1, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Who's going to get that for me? All right, Casey's got it. Aiden, go to John 14. You're going to read 1 through 9. I need somebody to read John 10, verses 22 through 30. Matthew 11, 25 through 27. I got two more. Mark 2, verses 1 through 11. Anybody? Pastor Josh, all right. And Colossians 1, 15 through 19. Mr. Brad, okay. Who had John 1, 1 through 2? All right, read it aloud, please. All right, so the word, word, is probably capitalized in your Bible, right? The word, word, is in the Greek, is logos, logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos, Drew, is that, logos, okay, logos, thanks, thanks, uh, Josiah. <laughs> um, so, this, again, this is the, kind of the hallmark verse there, and logos is, is, is another word for Jesus in the New Testament in, in many places, okay? So we see... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Pretty simple, right? Pretty easy to, to understand that. Jesus was God, okay? All right, and He was in the beginning and, he, and, and all the things that it tells us there. All right, John 14, 1 through 9. Okay, so <clears throat> part, of the, part of these verses recall a conversation that was had with Jesus by two different disciples. You have um, Thomas and Philip both. They were, um, he told one of them that if they knew him, they knew the Father, okay? That's kind of like he and the Father are one, right? Um, to... Uh, to, um, to Thomas, he, he, said that he said to Thomas, I'm sorry, he said to Thomas um, that if they knew him, they knew the Father. He said to Philip, if they'd seen him, they'd seen the Father, that they had seen the Father, and that the Father is in him, okay? 
So we see another, another place in Scripture where they're, they're, Jesus is God. Okay? All right. Um, who had John 10, 22 through 30? All right. What do you say there at the end? Pretty clear. I and the Father are one. Again, is it in Scripture? Then we got to deal with it. Okay? Um, next was Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 27. So we see Jesus here claiming mutual knowledge and sovereignty with the Father. And where, where do we see that? Where, where else do we see that? Um, just right offhand. We talked about this in Sunday school the other day. Where else do we see authority and sovereignty being given? It's Matthew 28. Oh, go ahead. The what? The Great Commission. Yeah, the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so that, then that's Jesus talking, all right? So um, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Okay, so we see Jesus healing a paralytic person and forgiving him of his sins. 
So those people in the crowd, we, 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 we see it in the verses there that um, they didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. They didn't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, and they began to question him. So again, it says, knowing, knowing their hearts, Jesus called them on it, told them that he has such authority. It was clear that these people knew that only God could forgive, forgive sin, and they were right that only God could forgive sin. They just had it a little bit wrong because they didn't believe that Jesus was God. Okay, So they were right in understanding only God could do something like this. Only God could make a claim like this. And we see many examples of this. All the miracles that happened throughout the New Testament, throughout the, throughout the Gospels. We see all these miracles that happened and several times we see confusion because only God can say that. Only God can do that. God was saying and doing that, okay? They just didn't understand that. So um, the last verse, the last uh, verses were, Col were Colossians 1, 15 through 19. Brad? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. There we go. Another one that's pretty self-explanatory. So I think we've got a pretty good, and there's more, but I think we've got a pretty good basis for saying Jesus is God. Okay? Jesus is the God-man. He's, he's God in the flesh. However you want to say that. Um, plenty of scripture to back it up. Now, I'm going to give you your big word for the night. I like to give you a big word every once in a while when I teach, and I'm going to give you a big word. It may not be that big, but it's it's not something you hear every day. And the big word, Joe, you can go ahead and come up here and start, start your rap session if you'd like. Um, the big word is hypostatic union. Okay? <laughs> hypostatic union is your, is your sort of big word for the night. So we know what union means, right? We know it's together, it's unity. We're together, okay? But hypostatic, a little different. It's kind of a... Kind of a more than it's supposed to be? No, it's not like hyperextended. Good try, though. I'm glad you tried. Um, so what does hypostatic mean? Basically, it just means personal. Okay? Hypostatic means personal. So this is a personal unity. Okay? And I'm going to encourage you, those of you who enjoy rap music, that's where the joke came from a second ago about Mr. Joe. Um, there's a song. A rap, do you call it a song or do you call it a rap? A song, okay. So it's a rap song. I don't know. I, it's a rap song by Shylin. He's a, he's a Christian rapper, and it's called Hypostatic Union. It's really good, and I'm going to actually use some lyrics here in a little while from it. Um, so hypostatic means personal. Um, in Hebrews 1, uh, verse 3, somebody turn to Hebrews 1, 3 for me. Go ahead and let you read that. Anybody? Hebrews 1, 3? Anybody? 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 I'll read it. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by, by, by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we see here um, in this verse the word nature 
uh, is a Greek word, and I'm going to butcher this, I guarantee you, when I find it again. Um, hypostasis. Hypostasis? Sure. Um, <laughs> in this verse, Jesus is said to be the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Another article that I, that I read in my studies um, was by a gentleman named David Mathis. And I don't really know much about him, but he had this quote. It said, Here the author of the Hebrews uses the word in reference to the oneness of God. Both the Father and the Son are the same nature. Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. So hypostatic union equals personal union of Jesus' two natures. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Fully human and fully divine, and at no point does his divinity go away. He's the God-man. So last week, Brad kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, Jesus never ceased being God. Um, also, also remember Drew's teaching about, uh, about, God in the, uh, about God in the past. Everything is in one of two categories. What are those two categories? God and not God. Um, Jesus was God. It's been pretty, pretty clear. While, I think Brad said this or something along the lines, but it's so important for us to understand this because this helps us get the picture. While he was in Mary's womb, he was holding the stars in place. While he was dependent on her body to sustain his life, he was giving her the very breath to sustain her own life. Okay? That's mind-blowing, guys. That's crazy to think, right? But it's in there, okay? We got to believe it. We got to we got to study it. We got to try to understand it, okay? <clears throat> so, uh, the hypostatic union was never broken. The hypostatic union is the joining of the divine and the human in one person of Jesus. Why does this matter? Why does it matter that Jesus is God? Here's where I'm going to give you the lyrics from the Shylin rap song. I'm not going to rap it. I'm going to have a hard time saying it without somewhat rapping it, but I'm going to try to do my best. So the line in, in this rap song says, Only a human can substitute for human lives, but only God can take the wrath of God and survive. Okay? Does that make sense? Think about that. Only a human could pay the price for what we deserved. Who sinned? Huh? Who sinned first? Yes. Adam. And Adam, God or not God? Not God. Okay? So we needed a not God substitute. Right? But we also needed God who could be resurrected, right? Because that, that was, that's a very important part of the story. We needed a human payment, a human propitiation, but only God was able to withstand the wrath of God, as crazy as that sounds. You guys have heard, I'm sure we've quoted, I know I've quoted it before, Paul Washer says, God saved, basically God saved you from God. Okay, I think, I think that's one of the things Drew, uh, 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 what's your name? Joe. Uh, Joe is a, Joe's a big Paul Washer fan as well. I think he said something, I'm probably butchering the quote, but God saves you from God, okay? It's, God who, it's God's wrath that you're being saved from. You're saved for God, by God, from God, okay? So understand that. So again, no mere human could have done this. Um, it had to be God in the flesh. So again, why is this important? The fact that he is God should make Jesus the one focal point of our worship and also the one focal point of our celebration at this time of year, okay? Um, the reality that he's both God and man should drive us to the cross. It should drive us to worship, okay? Um, 
Knowing that the creator of everything, now think about this, the creator of everything, he took on human flesh and came here and he lived the perfect life and he died the sinner's death in our place. Okay? That is, that is the, the, the cornerstone of what we believe. Okay? And understanding that this man that came to die was, is also God is huge. We have to understand that. Um, let's see. The Creator God came here in the flesh, lived the perfect life. Um, he gave up the comforts and glories of heaven to fulfill that which was planned from before the world was ever created. You guys talked about election. I watched some of that today. Um, you understand that before everything was created, God had it all planned out. God had everything planned. This being part of it. Destroying His Son being part of it. And he gave, and, and Jesus, God, the God-man, gave up all the glories of heaven and, um, to, to do this. Romans 5.8. Anybody know what that says? Romans 5.8, just offhand. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died what? For us. Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For his chosen people, for his elect, for his sheep, he laid down his life for us. And who are we? Isaiah's best was filthy rags. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Paul was a killer and a, prosec a prosecutor of all Christians. And he even referred to himself as the chief of all sinners. What then are we? Who are we for Jesus to come here and die for us? Okay? <clears throat> the wise men brought gifts to Christ, and each one had significance. Gold was symbolic of Christ as king. Frankincense, symbolic of Christ as God in the flesh. You'll learn about myrrh next week when Pastor Josh teaches. But giving praise to their king, to their God, was of more importance than the personal gain that they had by, trading in, by possibly trading in these valuable gifts. Not this, not gifts, not Santa or food or family or trees or snowmen, but the object of our, the object of our worship and celebration at Christmas time should be Christ. I'm going to echo Brad from last week. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. All right? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be done. Dear Lord, uh, again, we just come to you thanking you for this day. Thank you for your word. More than anything, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Um, what he means to our lives. We thank you for um, sending him to take our place on that cross. Um, a price we couldn't have paid. A price no mere man could, could pay. Only the God man. And you provided it. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for loving us enough to do that. For loving your chosen people. Um, God, again, we just give you all the praise, all the glory for everything. And we pr I pray, Lord, during this holiday season, during the Christmas season, Lord, that we would have this at the forefront of our minds. Lord, forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.